Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of the Renew Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Lanahan. You can think of me as your business coach meets spiritual director. I help faith-driven entrepreneurs grow their businesses, spend more time with their families, and mature in their faith. I do that in a few different ways, one of which is right here on the podcast by teaching the practices and principles and paradigms that have been really influential in my entrepreneurial journey, as well as in the lives and businesses of my clients. Like I said, today is episode 53 of the podcast, which means we've just surpassed one year of weekly podcasts, and I couldn't be more grateful for you all who have listened and shared, whether you've been here from the beginning or you've joined us recently It has been such a joy to create these episodes over the past year, to hear how they're rippling out into the world and affecting your mindset, your families, your businesses, and your faith, as well as the people that you serve. And so thank you. I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, for leaving a rating and a review. I look forward to the next year plus of serving you here. I think year two got some really fun things in store for the business to serve faith-driven entrepreneurs and of course here on the podcast. Another way that I serve faith-driven entrepreneurs is through the Renew Your Mind Mastermind, where I help people grow their businesses to the point where they can support themselves and their families via the business. And so we just had one of our masterminders secure a $150,000 contract. We had another entrepreneur just sign three clients who have paid in full, and another one who just signed his first client Ever. The Mastermind is an intimate, tight-knit community where we really demystify the process of bringing in clients and generating revenue. So this is a great fit for anyone who's not yet supporting themselves and their family through their business, who wants top-notch coaching and community with other faith-driven entrepreneurs. The Mastermind itself, it will open back up in the early part of 2023. I've got actually a lot of really exciting updates that I'll be sharing between now and the end of the year on the mastermind. So be sure to stay tuned to the podcast for that. But there's also a link in the show notes. If you want to stay in the loop specifically related to the mastermind, head to that link in the show notes and sign up and I will make sure that you know everything that's coming down the line. Really, really excited for what uh, some changes are going to be to the mastermind and what that's going to mean for you all. And then lastly, before we dive into today's episode, the third way that I serve faith-driven entrepreneurs is through one-on-one coaching. And that's where I help entrepreneurs scale their businesses and scale the impact that they're creating, the influence that they're having in their corner of the internet, in their corner of the world, without increasing how many hours they work or how much stress they have. And so a lot of times this looks like really helping entrepreneurs structure their day, structure their time such that they're operating out of their zone of genius and doing the things that are unique to human beings, deep work and creating value, and then even Even further, the things that are unique to them and the way that God created them and equipped them to be able to serve humanity and and create things to help people flourish. And so one-on-one coaching is largely about helping you think strategically about going wider with your impact, but also deeper in your influence with the people that you serve. And so if that's something that's interesting to you, if that's something that you want to explore and you want to grow your business, but also be growing in the fruit of the spirit and growing your peace Head to lenahancoaching.com slash discovery. I'll link to that in the show notes as well, right next to the link to stay updated on the mastermind. With that, let's dive into today's episode. Really excited to dive in. Back in episode 50, a few episodes ago, we learned about how Jeff Bezos and Amazon approach decision-making. 
And if you haven't listened to that yet, it's not a prerequisite for this episode, but it is good, so I suggest going back and listening to it. But today we're going to talk about competition and this idea of differentiation. This is something, some buzzwords, some language that you hear all the time in business, thinking about you need to differentiate yourselves from the competition, you have to give people reasons why they should choose you and not somebody else. And this isn't a topic I've really covered here on the podcast, and so I'm excited to, to start to dive in, and, and there's actually a lot here, there's future episodes coming around this topic. But what I want to say up front is that no matter where you are on your entrepreneurial journey, I think even if you're starting out or even if you're running a half a million dollar business, there's something significant that might be here for you in this episode. And so today, as we start to talk about competition and differentiation, I want to take our cues from two primary places. The first is scripture, and the second is the wisdom of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of our generation, Jeff Bezos. I want to say up front that no matter where you are on your entrepreneurial journey, I think whether you're starting out or you're running a half a million, million dollar business, I think there's something significant here for you. We're talking about really deep principles that underlie and set up the foundation of just how we function and show up in the world as entrepreneurs. And so here's the path for us today. First, I want to start off with what Jeff Bezos's perspective is on competition. Tacked onto that, I'm going to share my perspective as I filter it through a biblical lens. And then I want to talk about how you're actually more like the Mona Lisa than you are a hammer. That'll make more sense when we get into it. And then after that, I want to introduce something that I've coined called the Poema Principle, which comes to us from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And then we're going to wrap up the episode with a set of questions for you to actually sit with during the episode. You don't need to write anything. You don't need to do anything, but you do need to pay very close attention to what comes up for you as we go through these questions. And as we start to think about what does this Poema Principle actually mean for you and your business? And so first, let's dive into what Jeff Bezos's thoughts are on competition. One of his board members at Amazon was asked in an interview for an article, what did Jeff do to make Amazon so successful? And here was his response in a nutshell. He said, quote, the most important thing that he did is to focus obsessively on the customer. In Jeff's words, too many companies focus on their competitors and not on their customers. And then there's this direct quote uh, from Jeff of one of his letters to shareholders where he says, if you're being competitor focused, you have to wait until there's a competitor doing something. Being customer focused allows you to be more pioneering. And so for Jeff and Amazon, this idea of obsessing on the customer is about being fast and innovative and adapting quickly and outpacing the competition. But as I was thinking about this and trying to understand what does this mean, what does this look like from a biblical perspective? And what I came to pretty quickly was that I think that for us as faith-driven entrepreneurs, the heart of this, the heart of focusing on the customer instead of the competition is less about wanting to beat the competition and more about wanting to serve your people and help them flourish. Now, I've actually been really surprised by how much that I've personally been asked questions about competition, especially from people who are just starting out their business. Usually people ask it as something along the lines of this. They say, there's so much competition in the blank industry. How can I stand out from the competition? 
or I know I need to differentiate myself, how do I make sure I stand out from the competition? And this is where I see a lot of new service-based entrepreneurs make the mistake of over-caring about competition, of caring too much about what other people in their industry are doing. And what happens is they end up wasting a lot of time researching and thinking about competition, whether they're coaches or designers or consultants or real estate agents or accountants, doesn't matter. When people focus on scoping out the competition so that they can figure out how to stand out, so they can figure out how to be original, it leads to the exact opposite. And I want to unpack in today's episode why that is. At its core, this is a problem because it drives new entrepreneurs to hyper-focus on what everyone else is doing so that they can react to it in the name of differentiation, to zig where other people are zagging. And so they end up focusing on competition and other service providers instead of simply creating a solution that helps their audience solve a problem in a way that's authentic to them. And so here's one of the reasons why I love working with service-based businesses so much and why I don't focus as much on retail businesses that primarily sell physical products. It's because it's a lot easier for products to become commodities, something that's totally interchangeable, right? So here's a, a quick definition of what a commodity is. A commodity is an economic good that has full or substantial fungibility, meaning that the market treats instances of the economic good as equivalent or nearly equivalent with no regard to who produced them. What does this mean? If I buy a hammer, it doesn't really matter what brand it is or who makes it. I just need a hammer. Or think about your phone charger. Search Google for an iPhone charger and you'll get Apple's version and then 100 other versions that all serve the exact same purpose. That product has become a commodity because you can solve the problem with just about any version of that product out there in the market. Products are highly replicable. And when they get replicated, it can bring the value of that product down. And that's where we see a race to the bottom in terms of pricing, right? Whoever can make the thing as cheaply as possible wins. On the other hand, in a service-based business where humans are personally delivering a service, and if you are someone that sells courses, I would even consider a course as a service more than a product because it's being delivered by a human. When you're building a business around you and who you are, the skills and knowledge that you bring to the table, your brand, you are not replicable. There's something utterly unique about your service and your delivery that was inherently built into you when God created you. You are much more like the Mona Lisa than you are a hammer. You're welcome. I hope that's not the nicest compliment that you get all day. (laughs) There's only one original Mona Lisa. Right, And this is really cliche, but I want you to sit with the actual gravity of this statement. There is only one of you. Even if you have a twin, there are distinct experiences, perspectives, abilities, quirks, etc. This is a real thing. There is only one you and there is only one me. This is how things were designed which is why I don't really think about or worry about competition ever. I spend zero time trying to figure out what competitors are doing for the purposes of informing my competitive edge or informing my differentiating factors. 
Two quick side notes here that I wanted to address just as we're talking about competition. The first is, it's not that I never look at what other people in my industry are doing. It's just that when I'm doing it, my my heart posture, my mindset is is different. The way that I'm approaching it is from a place of pure curiosity and desire to learn. And what I'm looking for is actually shortening the learning curve for something very specific. That's when I would actually intentionally go out and look at competition. I'm not just like browsing competition constantly to figure out what my differentiator is. Second little side note, as I was thinking about this, you know, one of the kind of objections that came up in my mind, I was like, wait, but it's a good question to be able to answer if someone were to ask, what makes you different from other fill in the blank coaches, consultants, designers, etc.? And I realized that a subtle nuance here, because if you asked me to articulate how I'm different than other people in my industry, I can do that and I can do that really well. But I did not arrive here at different because I looked at what other people are doing and reacted to it. Being able to articulate why you are unique is different than deciding to do things a certain way based on what other people were doing. And so don't spend time seeing where other people are zigging just so you can zag in the name of differentiation. That's the point that I want to drive home here. Not that anytime you look at competition, you're wasting your time. Not necessarily the case. But side notes over. I spend zero time looking at competitors to help define my strategy for differentiation. What I am thinking about is how can I serve my people and help them get the results that they want. And so what I'm thinking about is what keeps my people up at night, metaphorically, because we work on that in coaching and getting them to the point where nothing in their business is keeping them up at night. But I'm thinking about how can I deliver my services in a way that's more valuable, in a way that is more simple, in a way that takes less time and less effort for my clients and people in my audience. I'm thinking about what can I create to help them and their businesses grow? What can I create to help them abide in the vine? And when I ask myself and answer these questions, guess what happens? It differentiates me. People literally come to discovery calls and hire me and they tell me it's because I'm different, that I'm not like other coaches, that they haven't seen anyone else doing things the way that I'm doing them. Now, the only way that that can be explained is either that's a a fluke, that's total luck and a coincidence, or what we're about to talk about next, the Poyama principle is actually something that's operating and that God wove into the fabric of reality. And so it's interesting, right? This begs a question for you before we move on. What if the best way for you to stand out from the competition is to spend zero time thinking about the competition? And what if it's to just focus on serving your people as authentically as possible in a way that is aligned with who you are naturally as possible? Because you are not a product. You are not a commodity. So spend less time thinking about your competitors. And in the words of Jeff Bezos, more time obsessing over your clients, your customers, and the community that you're here to serve. And as a result, that will differentiate you. If it's worked for Amazon and it's worked for me and for my clients, it can work for you. Which brings me to our second point. And so let's actually get into and talk about what is this weird word that I keep saying? What is the Poema principle? It's spelled P-O-I-E-M-A principle, the Poema principle. This is going to help us color in this point a little bit and help us understand why this works. 
And so for this, we're going to go to Paul, uh, who wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. By the way, Ephesians 2 is so beautiful. It is such a beautiful chapter. Go read it today. But I want to key in on verses 8 through 10, and in particular, verse 10. And so here we go. Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And here's verse 10 that we're going to key into. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'll read verse 10 again. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, the word workmanship is where we're going to zoom in. The word there is the Greek word poema, which directly translates to something made by God, but it's also sometimes translated as work of art, right? This idea of workmanship. The deeper meaning is that we are his handiwork, his masterpiece, The idea is that I am and you are his beautiful poem, his work of art, his one-of-a-kind masterpiece, better than the Mona Lisa. I mean, how good and, and how beautiful and how dignifying is that, that the creator of the cosmos made you as a a one-of-a-kind work of art? That's beautiful. And maybe that stirs something in you and maybe that moves you. But so what? right? What does this have to do with entrepreneurship? What does this have to do with competition? Here's what can happen. One of two things. You can embody Ephesians 2 verse 10 and show up in the marketplace as if you were a unique work of art. Another way to put it, just showing up as the real you or the overused phrase, this is you being yourself, who God created you to be. And this will probably get its own episode in the near future. But for the rest of our time, I actually want to talk about The other option, what it means to not embody the poema principle. So the second thing that can happen is that you can make the mistake that we talked about earlier and focus heavily on analyzing competition, market research, seeing what words and titles others use to call themselves, what their websites look like, and then try to react to that and be different, right? Which in the end ends up being a sort of counterfeit you. Because when you do this, you inevitably end up taking bits and pieces of what everyone else is doing and incorporating it into your brand, right? It's this weird thing where you actually go in, even if you go in with the goal of being different, your brain will subconsciously latch on to some of the things that you're seeing and incorporate it into what you're doing. And so your brain is looking at all of the other coaches, consultants, designers, and making a behind-the-scenes translation that says, oh, this is what coaches do. This is what designers look like. This is how consultants market themselves. And that background code operating behind the scenes makes it into the way that you operate, into the way that your brand manifests in the world. The best way that I know of to demonstrate how this works and that it works is if I said, all right, whatever you do as you're listening to me right now, don't picture a penguin right? You can't help but picture a penguin. The same thing is happening when you go to a competitor's website and say, okay, do it differently than they are doing it. And what ultimately ends up happening, and I've seen this a bunch where in the name of differentiation, you are different, but it's a really surface level thing. It's like, oh, I offer this feature of working with me that other people don't. 
the most common one that I see is like, oh, I give you Voxer access, like walkie-talkie access to me while we're working together. And it's like, some people might think that's cool. I'm just gonna be flat out honest with you. That is not a true differentiator. That is surface level. True differentiators have a level of depth to them. This isn't just about saying some feature or some benefit that you've slapped onto a service is the thing that makes you different. When you're a service-based entrepreneur and you are made in the image of God uniquely, when you are his workmanship, when you're his poem and, and work of art, there is no need to go grasping for and reaching for and finding these surface level differentiators and claiming that because the truest differentiator is the unique person that God created you to be, the unique experiences and skill sets and way that you do things, that is enough, that is more than enough, and that is the true thing that you want people to be attracted to you for. Settling for a surface-level differentiator would be like showing up to uh, the most incredible feast, all-you-can-eat buffet of the highest quality foods, and choosing instead to eat the Wendy's chicken nuggets that are in the corner. It's like, technically, technically you could argue that that is food, right? That is a differentiator. But why settle when you've got the real deal right there within your grasp? So what happens when you're hyper-focused on what other people are doing and not on being the workmanship of God that Paul describes? The result is you end up showing up with costumes on, right? Based on what you think you're supposed to be doing, but based on what you think a coach or web designer or consultant is supposed to look like. And then one of two equally tragic things happen. Either your business will struggle because it won't resonate with people because there's an important part of you that's just being filtered out. And many times it's harder for people to be attracted to a watered down version of you. Just like if your favorite song was playing on the radio, but the volume was turned too far down, you actually wouldn't be able to recognize that your favorite song was playing. You wouldn't recognize like, oh, I like this. Or the other tragic thing that could happen is that your business will succeed but it will succeed in bringing in people who are attracted to the costumes and not the real you. And so there might be surface level business success, but there isn't that deep satisfaction and sense that you're just smack dab in the middle of your calling, serving people the way that you were made to serve and being the person that you were made to be. And some of you may have experienced this before in high school or in college where you act a certain way to fit into a group, to be accepted. But the reality is even if they accept you, they didn't accept you. They accepted the costume that you put on. And so you've signed yourself up to pretend to be that person for as long as you're going to be friends with them. And that is not what we want to be doing in our businesses. Two visuals to drive this home. If you're showing up online and in your business as trying to be different based on looking at what everyone else is doing, you're basically just Mr. Potato heading it or Mrs. Potato heading it where you're cobbling together one piece of how this person does it in one way that this person does it and trying to combine them in a unique way and like create yourself. On the other hand, if you're showing up online and in your business based on doing what you think you're supposed to be doing, based on what you think it's supposed to look like to be an entrepreneur and a service provider, you're becoming a replica. You're becoming a carbon copy. Like picture going to the copy machine, taking a picture of somebody else and just making a copy of it. Now think back to what we were saying about commodities and how it becomes a race to the bottom in terms of prices. Replicas are similar. The original Mona Lisa is currently worth $850 million. 
you can get a replica on Etsy for $250. Replicas are only worth a fraction of the original. And when you simply replicate others and copy what they do or how they do it, you're essentially burying your actual talents and hiding your actual light under a bushel. When you're not acting like his poema, you're doing a disservice to the world. Before transitioning into the last part of this episode, I just want to end this section with a quote that I feel like encapsulates what we're talking about here. There was a well-known rabbi who lived in the 1700s named Rabbi Zusa. Before his death, Rabbi Zusa said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? They will ask me, why were you not Zusa? And with that, let's move on to the last part of the episode. What does this mean practically? Let's talk about what it could look like to not be embodying the Poema principle in your business right now. Basically, you're going to be asking yourself, where are you not being yourself right now? Where are you misaligned with the things that God has placed on your heart and has called you to in your entrepreneurial journey? Where are you currently doing things, saying things, focusing on things, wearing things that aren't actually you and that are instead what you think you're supposed to be doing or just what other people are doing? And so as we go through this section, I encourage you to be really curious as to where you might be wearing a costume. I would actually challenge you to operate from the assumption that you are wearing a costume somewhere in your business and that your job in the next couple of minutes is to figure out where that is. This is a time as I go through these questions, I'm going to slow down to give you space to actually chew on this because this can save you a lot of time and a lot of headache later on. Trust me, I know I was wearing costumes for the first 10 months of my business and I didn't even realize it. And fortunately, things didn't take off right away. And I'm actually grateful for that because I'm afraid that it would have been way too easy for me to keep building a business that required me to wear a costume to keep things going, which is the opposite of what I wanted. Part of why I stepped into entrepreneurship full-time was to wear fewer costumes, not more costumes. And so don't trade in costumes in corporate for just wearing different costumes as an entrepreneur. As I ask these questions, listen underneath the surface level answer that immediately comes up. The best way to do this is to pay attention to your nervous system's response. Like if your conscious brain gives the right answer or what it thinks the quote unquote right answer is, but your nervous system tells a different story, like if it makes your stomach sink or your breath gets short or your heart starts to race, that is your body trying to tell you something. And so right now, if you're doing something while listening, like the dishes or laundry, just stop for a few minutes and listen to what your body might actually be telling you. So here we go. First question. Deep down, is your niche, your ideal client, your target market, whatever you call it, is your niche something that you chose because it seems logical, like a quote unquote right answer, because it feels safe? By safe, I mean, did you choose it simply because you think it's a viable, profitable niche? Does it feel like there's no fire or passion there? Or do you have this tiny voice that's barely audible that wants to choose a different niche, but is scared to? Sit with that. Is there a group of people that God has placed on your heart to serve that is different than the people that you're currently serving? in your business. 
Second question, think about your marketing copy. Think about the voice of your brand on your website or your social media. Do you write how you actually talk in real life with real people? Or is it dressed up in a professional sounding way because you think you're supposed to talk that way because it's a business? Are you avoiding certain topics related to your business that you're really passionate about, but that you're afraid that people in your audience might judge you? And in particular, people in the church in your audience might judge you? If any of that's happening for you, just recognize that's not you. That's not you being aligned with who you are. Next question, when it comes to your offer or your offers, are they structured the way that they are simply because you know that that's how other people in your industry do it? Do you work with people for three months at a time, but you really think four or five or six or 12 would actually serve your client way more? I see this a lot in the coaching industry in particular. Is your group program structured how it is simply because that's how your coach structured it? Are you charging a price that feels completely aligned for you right now? Or did you choose it based on a podcast you heard that said that you need to be selling a high ticket offer for at least $5,000 or more? Are you creating a course because you saw other people creating a course, even though you actually are way more interested in hosting in-person retreats? Did you give your client cell phone or Voxer access because you actually wanted to or because you heard other people doing it and you wanted to keep up with them? So think about your offer. Think about your offers and all the decisions that you made there. Why did you make those decisions? Next question, your goal. What's your current big picture revenue goal right now? Is that really your goal? Or is it something that you chose because your industry says that should be your goal? Because that's what making it means in your industry. Because it has the right number of zeros. When you look at your marketing channels that you actively use, are you using them because that's what other consultants use or because you actually like using the platform? Sit with it. And lastly, for those with teams, are you holding on to certain responsibilities because you know that other CEOs still do those things instead of delegating it and staying in your zone of genius? Basically, Are you doing things because you think you're supposed to be doing them? Are you doing things that don't feel like you? Have you subconsciously outsourced your decision-making for some of the foundational things? Like what we went through, those are foundational aspects of your business. Have you outsourced that stuff, the decision-making, to someone else without knowing it? Now, there's three categories that you might fall into right now, and then we're going to close out the episode. First, for some of you listening, it might feel like you just got hit by a truck and you actually hate me. 10 months into my business, that niche question, I can still feel it in my body right now. That niche question hit me like a truck because I was like, oh, I don't want to pivot, but I know that's where God's calling me. And I don't think it's going to work, but I know that's where God's calling me. And that's going to take a lot of work to change. But that was the best decision that I made in my business by far. The work that it took was worth it. And it actually didn't take as much work as I thought it was going to. And so after those questions, maybe you feel like you need to take your business down to the studs, like when renovating a house before you build it back up. 
maybe your marketing, your strategy, your goals, you're realizing that it wasn't really you who chose those things. And so maybe you need to get with God and reorient and turn the ship in a, a slightly or a completely different direction. And if that's you, and, and if you hate me while you're listening to this, I understand, but I'm willing to take that if the hate means that you're taking a step towards embodying your identity as God's workmanship. For others of you, second category, maybe you have some new awareness of some costumes that you've been wearing. And maybe you know some more subtle adjustments that you want to make, like not changing what you're going to say in your marketing because you know that your aunt follows you or that person from church follows you. And so while you don't need to turn the ship around, maybe you're going to turn it a few degrees and move in a slightly different direction. So maybe you're not going you know, a full gut down to the studs. Maybe these are just some cosmetic updates in that house metaphor. And lastly, then there's the rest of you. Maybe you're sighing a breath of relief and you're feeling really pretty good about how well you're living into your work of art identity. And if that's you, I'm happy for you. But also know that today we are just scratching the surface of what it means to embody the Poyama principle. There's a lot of depth here. And this was like an introductory kind of 101 class in it just covering the bare minimum, right? There's going to be more coming on on this and what I'll call the art of being yourself. And so stay tuned, start to pay attention to any areas of the business where you feel like you're doing something that's not actually aligned with how you want to be doing it. And be sure to tune back in for those future episodes. In closing, I just want to summarize and give you three takeaways. First one, remember what that guy Jeff said about competition. Obsess instead over your customer. Focus on your audience, the people that you're already serving, your ideal clients. Focus on loving and serving them. Innovate for them, create value for them. Don't focus on your competition to figure out how to be different. Maybe it seems counterintuitive, but you don't actually need to know what everybody else in your industry is doing in order for you to be different. Just focus on doing what you do as authentically as possible with a high level of excellence. And trust me, you will be different. Second takeaway, sit with those questions. If you need to go back to them and listen again, I encourage you to go and do that. Pay attention to your nervous system response, not your intellectual, heady response trying to come up with the right answer for the teacher. If something came up for you, don't ignore it. Sweeping it under the rug doesn't work. It's a Band-Aid. If something's coming up for you, Sit with it, bring it to God, and ask him what direction he wants you to go in now moving forward. And lastly, number three, you are not a commodity. You're not a hammer. You're a living, breathing Mona Lisa. My coach has this line that's so good. You want people to want to hire you, not just someone who does what you do. I bet the people that you are most drawn to in business and just in life and friends are the people who are comfortable in their own skin. It's the people who own their identity as God's poema. So be an original. Go read Ephesians 2, in particular Ephesians 2.10, and go live it out. That is all for this week. Links are in the show notes to learn more about the mastermind and to book a call for one-on-one coaching. And I will talk to you next week on the Renew Your Mind podcast. <music>